0: I'd like for you to turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Now, even though our subject tonight is on the family, before we get to the specifics of this text, which is chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, I think it might be well for us to kind of get a picture of what's going on around us in the, um, in, with regard to the home. Now, I know statistics are just statistics and they get kind of old and redundant. But I want to give you some. Not long ago a person came to me and said, do you have some statistics on um, the what is happening with regard to the home and children, etc. So I want to give you some. Only seven percent of Americans currently live in what we call a normal family that is, where the father is the breadwinner and the mother is the homemaker, only 7%. In 1990, 45% of the United States workforce will be women. Already 6 million children under the age of 6 have working mothers, which is nearly one-half of all the children under 18 years of age. It is estimated that there are 750,000 kids who live in foster homes, residential facilities such as youth shelters, institutions, and mental hospitals. Four out of every ten children will live in broken homes. Eighteen million kids currently are living with step-parents between 7 and 14 million children will become alcoholics. 65% of every 1,000 children between 7 and 11 years of age have already received psychiatric help. One million girls between the ages of 12 and 17 will get pregnant this year in America. One child in five Will use drugs twice a week. The suicide rate among teenagers is staggering, so that between 10 and 15 percent of the children alive tonight have tried or contemplated suicide. And in our attempts to try to get, you know, some kind of uh, help in this area, we have become super indulgent so that America spends more on toys for her kids than the gross national product of 65 nations. Is that staggering, amazing or not? It is getting tougher and tougher to live as Christians in our world. And so tonight I want to urge us who are parents to commit ourselves, yourself, to your children Or one day you will wake up with a tragedy in your hands. Somehow we need to return to the principles of this book. And someone might say, well how can an old book, 2,000 years old, give any help? Because the times have not changed. Man has not changed. Surely God has not changed. And so the principles and the truths of this book are as relevant today to the family as they were when it was written. Now, the principles we want to study tonight are possible only in a family or in a home where there is acknowledged the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Apart from that, apart from that, these are just principles that are nice ideas but are not possible. But when a person received Jesus Christ into his life, and Jesus Christ is recognized and acknowledged as the Lord of our homes and families. Not only is it possible to live out these principles, it is reasonable and normal to assume that we can function according to these principles. Now with your Bible open, I want us just to take this passage and take it word for word in an in-depth study. Children, children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Children, the word is not used here for an infant. It's not referring to infants. Really it means all offspring, one who is born to to another person so that the the, the child or children that is referred to in this text is anyone who is still under the roof of. So that if you still are under the roof of your family, under their responsibility, under their control, the command is to obey them. And this obedience begins there and it runs through life. If you live under the roof of, then the commandment is to obey. Now that word obey is an interesting word. It's a compound word as many Greek words are. The compound word is hupakou. The word akou in the Greek means to hear. The prefix hoop, hup, H-U-P, is, is, means under so that the compound word means to literally hear under and what he's saying is this the Holy Spirit is saying children get under the authority of your parents and listen to them and the idea is to listen there with the intent of responding in obedience and every time I see this word or hear this from this passage I think of a pet you know like an animal a dog and this dog is absolutely, you know, recognizes the authority of his master. He's standing there with this eagerness to get the command, to, you know, under the authority of, for the purpose of hearing and responding. Now, what we're hearing now a lot is a lot, uh, we're hearing a lot about liberation, the liberated child. The child needs to learn how to think for himself, make his own decisions, make his own choices. The liberated child, to run the risk of being old fogey, I want to say this emphatically, children have no business being liberated. They are to get under the authority of their parents and listen to what their parents say. So the basic design for the child is that of obedience. If you're still living at home, if you, even if you're college or high school, middle school or elementary, if you're living at home, the responsibility in the divine design is to get under the authority of your parents, listen with the purpose of obedience. But the parents must teach the children to obey the reason why is because they're not that way normally you don't have to teach a child to disobey but you do have to teach them how to obey now I want us to do a little rummaging through the book of Proverbs I want you to turn with me to that book I want to show you something just get it open there everybody needs to turn husband and wife don't look on your wife let her you just get with it there and chapter 1, we're just going to thumb through a few examples here. Verse, chapter 1, verse 8. As soon as you find it, we'll take a little trip. The last statement I made is that the parents need to teach their children to obey. Hear my son, verse 8, your father's instruction... And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Chapter 4, verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. I want you to underline the word discretion there. It means the ability to determine right from wrong. Chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live, and my teaching is the apple of your eye. Verse 24 of chapter 7. Now therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Chapter 8, verses 32 and 33. Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are they who listen to my ways. Heed instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it chapter 12 verse 1 whoever loves discipline loves knowledge but he who hates reproof is stupid verse 1 of chapter 13 a wise son accept his father's discipline but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke chapter 15 verse 5 a fool rejects his father's discipline but he who regards reproof is prudent i think that ought to be enough to set the point that the responsibility of the parent is to teach the child and the responsibility of the child is to obey his father's instructions and his mother's teaching now why is that so well there ought to be a hint of it when it says over in the book of Luke about Jesus that he increased in wisdom and statue and favor with God and man and it suggests that because a child is a child he lacks four things he lacks wisdom when a child is born he's born lacking discretion and instruction and knowledge when a baby comes into the world his brain is void of information so whatever he's going to know must first be taught him can I say it again whatever he's first going to know must first be taught him Now he can get it from his father or in his mother he can get it from TV Children have no discretion. They don't know what's right and wrong. They don't know what the right kind of food is to eat. They don't know what to put in their mouth and not put in their mouth. These things must be taught. They lack stature. Children are physically weak. They can't sustain themselves. The parents have a responsibility of feeding and nourishing them to see they get the proper rest. They can't fend for themselves or make it on their own. Their parents have to protect them. They lack favor with men, they're not socially acclimated. They're selfish. They say this is mine, I don't want to share it. So they have to be taught how to be selfless. Social graces and humility and unselfishness must be taught. And they lack favor with God. In the spiritual area children naturally grow, don't naturally grow to love God. They recognize Him, they comprehend Him, but without proper instruction they will drift away. That's why Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, that is, when he gets up there, he'll not depart from it. Now, the parents must provide an environment in which children can grow in these areas of inadequacy. And if we do not provide that environment of spiritual, social, physical, and mental growth, the author of the book of Proverbs says, you will have a son who despises his father and does not bless his mother. Now how do you instruct a child? What kind? How do you develop that kind of an environment? Well, how, are you, how do you teach them to obey? By discipline and by example. I'm just talking to myself and I'm going to let you listen in. The way you teach them to obey is by discipline and by example. A few years ago a husband and wife team by the name of Gleck, G-L-U-E-K, Harvard University, developed what they th- believed is it was an accurate test of how to predict a juvenile, juvenile delinquents. And so they developed this system, this test, And they they developed the factors that were present in every juvenile delinquency. And between the ages of five and six, they predicted a certain uh, galaxy of kids they observed to see if these factors existed in their homes and they predicted where the juvenile delinquency would occur. Ten years later, they they came back and tested to see how they did and they were 90% accurate. Can you believe that? And they said there are four necessary factors in the parents developing an environment of obedience. And these are the four. If I were a parent, didn't know this, I'd write these down. First factor. Father's discipline must be firm and consistent. Father's discipline must be firm and consistent. Second factor. Mother must know where her children are and what they are doing at all times. Don't you love it, kids? Mothers must know where their children are and what what they are doing at all times, and be with them as much as possible. Now you've seen that you you have seen that thing comes on television at ten o'clock. You know used to intimidate me. It's 10 o'clock, do you know where your kids are? You know. Mother must know where her children are, what they are doing at all times. I love it. I know you do. Third, children need to see affection demonstrated between their parents and from their parents to them. Now these are factors that prevent juvenile delinquency. They need to see affection demonstrated between their parents and from their parents to them. I, I, I remember seeing the original candid camera, that tells how old I am. I, I saw the real one. Now it has come back and and flopped, but I did see the real one. There was a original candid camera show of a of a, a group a a, a a a group of nursery kids, four or five year old kids, and they were they had a candid camera on them watching them and they were, you know, doing what kids do four or five years old. And they, they noticed this this little girl in the group that was just so effervescent and dynamic and healthy and you know vibrant, the leader of the group. And they just kind of zeroed in on her and watched her the, the remaining part of the program. At the end of it, when the candid camera, you know, let them know that this was, they were being watched, they talked to this little girl. And they asked her this question. Do your mother and daddy love each other? And she said, oh, yes, they love each other. And they asked this question. How do you know they love each other? And she said, well, they just go kissing around the house all the time. Now, do you think there was any relationship Between that dynamic, effervescent, healthy, vibrant leader of a child and the relationship she saw between her mother and father. You think there's any connection? You bet the mortgage there is. Now, children obey your parents, but the parents must create the environment of obedience. Next phrase in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now let me tell you what that means, kids. He's saying that obedience to your parents is in the sphere of pleasing and honoring and worshiping the Lord. Now if you haven't heard me, hear me now. What he's saying is this, that when you are obeying your parents, you're listening under them, their authority. You are worshiping the Lord. You are pleasing the Lord. You are serving the Lord. Now look, look here at me, would you? Get right down here on this row one and two. Okay, look, look here right here. Let me say it again because you missed it the first time. When you are obeying your parents, you are pleasing, worshiping, serving the Lord. Now, I I have a feeling that kids more than adults want to please the Lord. They may not want to please their parents all the time, but I think they want to please the Lord. And they want to worship the Lord. And they want to serve Him. I haven't seen a kid yet that didn't. Did you know that obeying your parents is pleasing, serving, worshiping the Lord? Now Colossians 3.20 says that children are to obey obey your parents in all things. Does that mean that you obey your parents when they tell you to do something evil? No. You draw a line. Here's the line. When the the Sadducees told Peter and John never to preach anymore in the name of the Lord, this is what they said. We We must obey God rather than man. So that when the command of your parents is in violation or runs cross current to the command of God you obey God. Daniel was told that he was not to pray anymore but he prayed anyway because the command of God supersedes the command of man we must obey God rather than man but the point of the matter is that when you are obeying your parents and you're listening under the authority, you are pleasing the Lord. Now that, the converse of that is that if you're not obeying your parents, you can be in every youth mission trip, you can be in every power hour, you can be in Sunday school on Sunday morning, but if you're not obeying your parents, you're not pleasing the Lord. You're not worshiping Him, and you're not serving Him. For this, he said, is Right? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now the word right there means good or just. It's used 183 times in the New Testament. It's a good word. It's a heavy word. It's a predominant word. It means that God has established moral imperatives. And these moral imperatives He calls those things that are absolutely the right way to do it and God has said it so. So that obeying your parents in the Lord is God's right way of doing it. Now, that's the idea of submission. We we come now to the attitude of honor. Verses 2 and 3. Now, honor is the attitude behind the act. Honor is the attitude behind the act. Honor your father and your mother the act is obedience honor is the attitude and remember that an act without a proper attitude is hypocrisy and you can do something with bitterness and resentment and hatred and it's nasty you know a lot of kids do that well lay it on the line Sometimes i get up here to preach on sunday morning and sunday night and i look out and see look into the faces of some kids And you can just tell they just hate to be here. The only reason they're here is because their parents make them be here. And they just hate it. They're here because mom and dad say you better go there and before you go anywhere else this week, you'll go to church. If You don't want to go to, you know, that's what they say. And you can just look in their faces and they're thinking, man, I'm here, but I despise every second of it. You can just tell. And you can have an attitude, you can have an act and the attitude be totally wrong. You can do it with bitterness and hate it. What kind of an attitude do you have, kids? I mean, this is attitude check time. We're not talking about anybody who is not here. That's what we you know, normally like to do is take a rip. You know, Harpoon those that are not here. We're not going to harpoon. We're going to talk about who's ha- What kind of attitude do you have? toward your parents? What do you call them? What do you say about them? What kind of an attitude? Are you ashamed of the way they look? The way they act? What kind of an attitude do you have toward what your parents are trying to do? How they're trying to live? How they want you to live? What kind of an attitude do you have? For I have a deep conviction about this. I believe that when... I just preached my glasses off right there. (laughs) But I can see without them if I get far enough away. When the attitude is right, the the act that follows will be right. I need to say it again. because There was a slight distraction there. (laughs) When the attitude is right, the act that follows will be right. All right, the precept. Honor your father and your mother. Now the word "their honor, means with reverence and respect. With reverence and respect. The, man, the word means to revere and respect. But it also means to honor your parents with financial support, believe it or not. I'm talking to us older, older kids. Because if you look at Matthew chapter 15 verses 1 through 6, Jesus interprets the commandment, Honor thy father and mother as referring to financial support, amazingly enough. Now here's the primacy. The primacy is this, that it is the first commandment with promise. Now why is it, you you go through the Ten Commandments and you come to, to the commandment to honor your father and mother, children obey your parents, it's the first commandment with promise, why? Here it is, get this, because it is the key to all human relationships. Let me tell you something, it's a fact. You can't get along with your parents, you'll never be able to get along with anybody including your husband or your wife. When I get kids together who are talking about getting married, the first one, first thing I ask them is how do you get along with your parents? Because a kid who cannot get along with his parents can't get along with anybody. He can't get along with his teachers, you ever notice that? He can't get along with his, those in authority. He can't get along with his peers. He has problems in marriage when he grows up to get married because the relationship with parents in obedience and honoring parents by kids is the key to all human relationships. It all begins there. And the kids who have the best relationships with their parents have the best relationships with everybody else. It is amazing, but it's true. It's the first commandment with promise. It has primacy for... you know, war stories about how unhappy kids are at home. I mean, some real dandies. Saddest things I've ever heard in my life are things that kids have unloaded on me about how unhappy they are at home. And life is a miserable hell where kids are not happy at home. And I have noticed that kids have, who have a happy home life There is a quality of life for them that's rich and full and everything seems to work better when when that's true. Not only is there a different quality of life when there is obedience and honor at home, but there is a different quality of life. He says that you may live long upon the earth. It means that you'll live your life to the full term. And I don't know whether it means this or not, but it sure sounds like it, that life spans are shortened when children are disobedient to their parents and do not honor them. Smoking is not the only thing it cuts <laughs> the cuts ages, cuts the years off of life. Now some questions. Parents, how are you helping your children to grow in wisdom, stature? favor with God and man. How, what are you doing to help them grow? What, what kind of things are you doing? I'd like to hear it. Share it with me sometime. What are you doing to help them know the Lord? You want to leave that up to the church? We, we seem like it feels, you know, it feels real good if, we, if as parents we be, be sure that our kids are in church. We think we've done our duty If we get our children in church and keep them in church, that's not, that's not the responsibility of the church is not to teach your children the ways of God. Surprise, surprise, it is not the responsibility of your church to teach your children the ways of God. It is the responsibility of the church to confirm what you have taught them concerning the ways of God. For the commandment to teach and to train is not directed to the church or the preacher. It's directed to the Father. What are you doing about that? Let me ask a question to all us kids who are here. Do you honor your parents? Are you willing to forgive them when they do make mistakes? Third question, and this is the last What do you need to do to resolve any differences that exist? I'm not saying what do you think they need to do. The question is what do you need to do to make a change in the way it is in your house? What do you need to start doing? And it's amazing that when we start doing, you know, what we need to start doing to make a difference... It's amazing how everybody else changes when I do that. And so I, I always, you know, if I if I ever get a chance to talk to kids about problems at home, I say I've got the I've got a perfect I've got a perfect uh, solution to your problem. I can guarantee you that you will have. A radical change in your home if you'll, do, if, 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 uh, if you'll listen to me. Okay, what is it? And I just say, you go and you do everything that your parents tell you to do. You obey them to the letter and honor them as you do it. And I guarantee you, they'll start changing. It's amazing how they'll change. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the privilege of looking into your word, studying it. Lord, we know that we cannot just handle your word lightly, that we are judged not just by what we have heard, but what we do with what we've heard. We're judged not by just what we've heard, but what we haven't heard. So I pray Lord now that you will give us a heart of obedience and submission and a love for your word and the willingness to respond in obedience to it for I pray in Jesus name for his sake I'd like to give an, op- an opportunity for people to be saved tonight to come to know the Lord Jesus as your personal savior to find forgiveness of sin to to let Jesus come into your heart and be saved. I'd like to give you an opportunity tonight to join the church. I'd like to give you an opportunity to make things right with God, to repent, to come to Him, to turn away from the way you're living and do it God's way and do it the right way. We call it rededication. I give you that opportunity while we stand to sing. Come.